0: Welcome to Six in the Mix. Link. Yo, when this plot comes to talk, pull a chair and prepare. We have Six in the Mix. When we speak, it's unique. Buried views, no excuse for the news. on our journey. Welcome to episode 16. We've got a full six in the mix. We're going to talk about uh, holidays and COVID restrictions. As always, we have our six in the mix trivia. We're going to talk a little bit about our best case uh, scenario come the new year as far as the politics go. Uh, calling your shots going to focus on a favorite Bible character. As always, we got a feel good story of the week that Ben will bring to us. And in fix your eyes, uh, Ben will be sharing his testimony. So right now I'm going to turn it over to Jeremy. Thank
1: you, Matt. We find ourselves in a delicate spot with the holidays approaching and the desire to travel and visit with family. We hear the constant warning signs of COVID restrictions being handed down by local state officials and really all over the United States. And questions are arise about safety, especially dealing with exposure and about submitting to the leaders around us. And I think as Americans, and for that matter, everybody around the world, we just want to know when this virus is going to be controlled and and what the virus really is so that we can put our fears at rest. We just want relief in our minds that we're going to be okay. So what's the right answer? How do we move forward over the next few months, especially during the holiday season as this virus begins to work uh, against us, especially as we all head indoors and particularly visiting with family and friends from all over. So I'm going to throw this out to you all to talk about what you're doing with your families to prepare, whether or not you're traveling or what what your your game plan is. And uh, I'm going to reserve mine for the last. I'm going to start with Matt. If you would just jump in and tell us what you think over the Thanksgiving holiday all the way through the Christmas season, what's your game plan?
0: First off, I'm really looking forward to uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, So, in this uh, time of COVID, uh, we as a family have had two trips to Minnesota planned. You know, one, we go back, at least I go back for the Minnesota boys basketball tournament. And as we know, that was uh, derailed about a week before it kicked off last year. And then we go back for summer camp. Well, all those things were canceled. And so uh, we never traveled back. So this Thanksgiving, uh, we are hosting Thanksgiving and my folks are planning on uh, driving down. Uh, so they're leaving. um the Saturday before Thanksgiving. They'll be here the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And my brother is actually flying in on Sunday, uh, going to be with us just for a couple days, and then I'm going to go back and be with his family uh, for Thanksgiving. So I've not seen my family in a year. Uh, the last time I saw them was they were here for Thanksgiving in 2019. So I am really looking forward to Thanksgiving and just hoping and praying that nothing pops <laughs> that would prevent them from coming because things have come up for us, whether it's trips back to Minnesota or even shorter trips to see family that COVID has really stopped and, uh, kind of held us in check. So I am really looking forward to Thanksgiving as far as Christmas. I think we'll keep Christmas pretty low key. I don't think we plan on, uh, heading back. Uh, we've got a pretty significant shutdown at work, so I'll need to be around for that. Uh, I don't think we're going to go too far, maybe up to New York to see, uh, you know where Casey is from uh, and spent some a couple of days with her family um but just praying that Thanksgiving uh, happens and uh, the family's able to come down that's going to be a really really special time
1: yeah that's good it's it's amazing over a year you don't usually say that you know because we haven't had those those issues before don how about you what are you guys uh what's your game plan well we'll be hosting
2: uh, Thanksgiving for the first time this year at our house and uh wow. typically we go over to jen's mom and dad's house and they're like 20 minutes away some of jen's family from wisconsin makes a drive over and we have this you know huge feast just turns into a big weekend of you know puzzles games football food all that good stuff so uh but yeah this year um that isn't all happening um understandably Jen's parents they're both uh, retired uh, and they've decided to stay home obviously for Thanksgiving and kind of stay stay indoors and and away from a possibility of, of infection so regardless if uh, governor Governor walls cancels Thanksgiving here in Minnesota we are going to be hosting Thanksgiving Jen's sister and her family will be coming over and we are going to enjoy a maskless day of puzzles games football and food. Uh, we'll try and Skype Grandma and Grandpa, uh, maybe play some online games, you know, Call of Duty, Fortnite, see how yeah, they can throw it out. <laughs> and then, uh, really connect and then, with them, I see. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll throw on some sweatpants and let the
1: tryptophan coma set in. Yeah, that's fantastic.
3: <laughs> All right, sounds like a great weekend. Ben, how about you? <laughs> yeah, so for us, we, I'm fortunate that... Um, Both my family and and my wife's family, we all live fairly close to each other within a kind of couple hours of a circle. Um, So it's it's. With everything going on this year, you know, Matt alluded to not seeing his family uh, for such a long time. It hasn't been as as long um, for us, but it's definitely been less frequently than we usually would get together. We would see each other at least, you know, maybe once every couple of weeks or once a month between on both sides of our families, but that's been um, not quite as frequent this year. And as Don alluded to with the governor, uh, the governor of Minnesota actually did put out some new restrictions last week where he asked people to follow a guideline of 10 people or fewer in any social setting getting together. So even with just my brother and my parents, that's, you know, 13 people when we would get together. So, it, yeah, it's kind of a tough A tough one for us. We've we our family probably falls a little more on the cautious side, maybe than some. Um, So we're looking at some options of you know maybe we'll just kind of break it up and get together in smaller groups um, with my parents or um, that sort of thing, and try to try to be cautious about it. But at the same time, with being cautious about it, we feel fairly safe that, you know, getting together will be all right to do. So we'll plan to catch up with them hopefully over the Thanksgiving weekend at some point and then Christmas to We'll see where things are at in a month and a half. It feels like it changes every day. So we'll see how it goes, but we're still planning to do probably some smaller family get togethers, but nothing, no really big get togethers for us this year.
1: Well, that's good. I'm glad you're still planning on at least incorporating some. And I think, I think that's wise. The word you said was caution. I'll come back to that. Ethan, I'll throw it over to you.
3: Yeah. Thanks.
4: Well, for us, I think our, our plans at this point, um, usually for Thanksgiving, we travel to see my wife's extended family over in Tennessee. Um, her grandmother and aunt and uncle and some cousins and families live there. and um, we usually spend Thanksgiving with them. And at this point, we are planning on doing that still. Obviously, there's still a week and a half away before Thanksgiving and um, something could change either in terms of uh, state regulations in North Carolina or in Tennessee or you know someone in the family um, getting exposure to COVID, um, which might change plans. But as of right now, we're planning on doing that. Um, and just trying to take some precautions, um, in, in ways that make sense for us and for the family. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, at this point we're, we're wanting to be smart with choices that we make, but also not live in a place that it just completely prevents us, uh, from seeing family and and we don't see our family there. We haven't seen them since last Thanksgiving. And so, um, I know my wife had a conversation with her grandma recently about it, who her grandma's in her nineties and, you know, her grandma's like, i I don't care. I want to see you. I want to see my grandkids. I don't know how long I have. I want to see people. Um, and so we, we want to balance the reality of, of her desire to see people and we want to care well for her. Um, and so we'll, we'll probably be pretty cautious anywhere near her, um, with masks and and distance and stuff, but she just wants to see her great grandkids. Um, and so we'll, we'll try and find a balance there of, of, protecting her and, and, um, and all that. But, uh, yeah, that's our plan for Thanksgiving Christmas. We're actually going to stay home. Um, a couple of years ago, even before COVID, um, we just started kind of deciding as a family that we were going to stay home for Christmas and just not travel. Um, and so that has been one of the most that's been one of the most enjoyable decisions. You know, we miss being with my family um, in Montana for Christmas. Uh, and someday we probably will go back out again um, in the near future. But uh, but it's just been really fun to have more time to develop our own family traditions, have some of our own space. Um, Michelle's parents are going to come and have Christmas with us this year, which will be great. And, and possibly her sister, um, who lives in New York, we'll see how things go up there and here between now and then. Um, and we'd love to see her, but uh, we'll just see. But yeah, so we're going to travel and or we're going to travel a little bit for Thanksgiving, maybe, and be home for Christmas is kind of our plan.
1: Ryan, how about you? Give us your commentary. Yeah, with
5: Christmas being a month and a half out yet, we're planning on having my side of the family over for for Christmas, which will be enjoyable. Uh, so I guess I'll focus on the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday Aaron's folks from Oklahoma are planning on on coming up. They, they're planning to be here next Sunday and stay for a week. So a couple of you maybe alluded to this. I'm and I, I, I'm just kind of curious to where the rest of you fall and your your parents. Obviously, with COVID, it seems to be attacking people older than our age group certainly older than our kids it, it attacks them a little bit more and I'm just wondering what all your parents are are thinking about it if they're it's tough it's finding that balance of we want to see our family we want to live a normal life but yet we we realize we might be at risk and so my in-laws want to play it safely and uh, so I I won't have to interrogate them like I might my family in December but we, we understand they're playing things pretty safely right now we're we're playing things pretty safely. And I think that just gives everybody a peace of mind as we convene to try to live a normal life in the middle of this pandemic.
1: Well, as I considered all of these, and I appreciate all of your comments, some of the things that I'm about to say were voiced well by you. Uh, the two words that just came to the forefront of my mind was with caution. People can't just stop living. Family can't just be forgotten about. As mentioned by you guys, holidays just can't get wiped off the calendar. We can't just erase Americana. I mean, this is this is part of who we are as Americans, too. I understand the spiritual side of things, but there's, there's some sense of just Americana that starts to erode when we don't do the things that we are known for. So with caution, I would just commend us to continue to live with caution, but still visit your family with caution. Remember the vulnerable, as Ethan said. With caution, don't be the expert, which is hard for me to do sometimes. With caution, give grace to others as they navigate these frustrating waters. And with caution, do Thanksgiving, do Christmas, do the normal, and keep your sanity, for heaven's sakes, just with caution. So what we're going to do... Is we are going to travel. And it's interesting for us because we have Amber's whole side of the family lives near us within an hour or less. My whole side of the family lives in Ohio, and it's eight and a half hours away. And so for us, we have to make that call. So what we did as we just sent a text out to everybody in my family and said, Hey, look, are you guys symptom free? Is there stuff that you guys have been doing to keep yourself, you know, from, from getting it and kind of limiting exposure and the answer to, to all of that, except for the fact that some of the the, uh, kiddos are in school and they don't know if somebody is asymptomatic and don't know if they haven't, if they do, they're taking appropriate measures, but, um, we just sent in a text that said that and put everybody in the same loop. And the resounding uh, comments that came back were, yes, we want to have it. We are so excited. We can't wait to see people. But if anything happens that somebody gets sick or whatever, we're just not going to we're not going to bring them to the party. We're not going to bring them to the event. We're not going to put them in people's way just like Ryan said, peace of mind. And what's interesting is in my family and in my wife's family, the older generation seem to have a cynical attitude towards it and they're tired of it. And um, that's just speaking for me. I don't know. I mean, I've heard some of of your extended families and not everybody treats it that way. And that's not 100% how we see it um, as far as our families are concerned. But for the most part, they... They just want to see people. They want to have a great time and fellowship. And as mentioned, you don't know the, the next time or if it's going to be the last time to see a family member or something like that. And uh, for a virus to, to keep that, uh, from happening is is really a travesty, and so I'm glad to know that we're all going to have at least some part of Thanksgiving and some part of Christmas that's held, um, whether it's with our family or really in, even with our churches. So let me admonish everybody with caution. So I appreciate your uh, comments on the segment, and uh, I think those were those were well said. So I'm going to throw it back to Matt.
0: Got, actually, I got a question. So Ryan, you're actually one of the more, uh, probably more conservative from a, you know, a social distancing perspective. Are you going to uh, suggest or require mask wearing when your family comes to your house?
5: I know I have been a proponent of masking in our talks, but no, not, not while they're in the house. As long as they're doing it out in public, if they're going to a store or something like that. Uh, again, we're all using that same approach, at least for this first holiday get together. And so, no, I'm not going to ask them to mask while they're here. So, no, I'm not going to go that far. But I don't know if anybody else is, and and who knows what our governor will say at some point? It's uh, it's well, no, op- open for guess.
0: Right. I think the reason I ask is uh, similar. Our governor has said you know limit ten, and they're encouraging mask wearing. If you have three or more households, they're not they're encouraging you not to have that. But if you do, then they're encouraging you to wear masks inside unless you're actively putting food or
2: or water or drink in your mouth so
0: yeah that's going a little that's going a little far for me don what are your thoughts
2: i heard the state of washington uh just shut everything down um said they canceled thanksgiving they told people that if you are going to have family over you need that family needs to quarantine themselves for like two weeks before they come over don't even bother coming over if they haven't been quarantined for ten days or fourteen days, whatever it is. Yeah. So they're going, they're going crazy, and we got some friends out in uh, Washington who, who uh, let us know about that. That's crazy. Um, I think going a little too far, and I feel like I don't. Know, I it's 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 a little uh, uh, concerning to me. I uh, I don't like this um you know i was disappointed when jen's parents couldn't work weren't, weren't, weren't gonna host or come over up uh, i get it they're 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 in that stage of life where retired obviously uh, her mother is probably has some some background symptoms that makes her you know, society, if she does get it but um and i get that but um boy i don't know i think i think uh i think it's getting getting a little out of control i'm getting We're getting a little tired of it here, at least in our household. My daughter was told to go to a party tonight and she had to wear a mask and she was like, I don't want to go. If I have to wear a mask, I don't want to go. I'm tired of wearing a mask. And, you know, I mean, it's, I don't blame her. She ended up going, but, you know, we kind of talked her off the cliff, but, but uh, yeah, she's getting really sick of it and she's only 16. So it's, it's tough
5: would've Don, that would have been a perfect opportunity to discuss viral load and inoculum.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: Yeah, and I could see the eyes rolling at me right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, let's all let's all hope the holidays do allow us to get together and and, and see family i think it's much needed um good words jeremy uh with caution but uh embracing who we are as people families and and americans uh and christians too that's uh it's good stuff all right folks you know what time it is yes indeed six in the mix trivia have you guys heard that COVID 19 has been uh has been described as a modern day plague yes yeah, for that. So I in in the spirit of that, I've got a question uh, related to uh, some plagues in the Bible. Are you guys ready for this? In, in the book of Exodus. Oh, let, let me review. For Ryan, let me review all the rules again. Your name is your buzzer. Uh, I do take this from the Bible and not from Google. Ryan, any further questions before we proceed?
5: Uh, what's the point value for each question? One, one point. I'm good. Thank you.
0: One point. Good. I clearly want to make sure you're good during uh, this, this trivia. So in the book of Exodus, Moses details the plagues brought against Egypt to free God's people from slavery. In what other book of the Bible are the plagues discussed in
4: detail? Ethan. Ethan, go ahead. Uh, The book of Hebrews, I believe. Hmm.
0: Hebrews. Do you, have a, do you have a text and a reference for that? Um, this one no. might have to go under – I might have to go under the hood on this one. That is not the book I have. However, when Dr. Dobson says something uh, <laughs> well, biblically <I> really, related <laughs> – so, I could be misremembering. So we have a provisional ball out it. there. <laughs> that is not the book I had. So, again – and again, the keywords is not just reference, but uh, plagues discussed in detail. Hmm. As Ethan looks for a chapter and verse on this one, it's funny. It's funny, Ethan. I did do some uh, try to do a little bit of research on this as well. If you find something that that'd be that'd be fantastic. I would love to give you the point. But there is another book of the Bible, gang. That leaves what sixty-four books. So
1: you're not going to give us. You're not going to give us a uh, New Testament, Old Testament, huh?
0: But again, I, I, would, I would hope that some of you would w- at least want to fetch a guess. Do you guys even know other books of the Bible?
3: <laughs> ben. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Ben. <laughs> what do you got, Ben? I know other books of the Bible. Do I get a point for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll get an honorable, honorable mention for sure. I'm going to say Deuteronomy.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, that's not that's not correct. Yeah, I'm leaning toward Hebrews is not being correct, but uh, unless Ethan can bring it up again, I'm looking for its details. It's not just a, a reference to the plagues. It's actually uh, plagues are kind of listed out in in more detail. And and we we won't belabor this too much longer. So if nobody else wants to give a guess,
1: man, in three, Jeremy, two, I'm gonna
0: go. I'm gonna go with Ezekiel. Uh, that's 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 not correct. No. Oh, all right. Nope. (laughs) Don or Ryan? This is surprising. Ryan. I don't think I've seen this reluctant side of Ryan during trivia before. Very, uh, very sitting back. What do you got, Ryan? Numbers. Numbers. No, that's not correct. All right, Don. All right. Uh, you spent a, a lot of time in the bunker. I'm sure you're accelerating. You're reading through the Bible plan. So, yeah, my, pretty,
2: yeah, I don't think my Bible plan's covered this one yet, so that's why I'm <laughs> – uh, um, I'm going to say uh, Acts. Acts. <laughs> No, not 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 Acts. Sorry, you can take that up with Luke in
0: eternity. Yeah, he didn't include that in in, uh, in Acts. But, in the starting uh, of
1: the church plagues. It's close.
0: <laughs> so, you know, maybe you guys do this, but in in the morning, I've started to do something. I've done this kind of off and on, but uh, I take you know. So the day of the month, uh, you start with that Psalm, and so today it was Psalm 15, right? And you add 30, and so you read about five Psalms and then the proverb. Right each morning, and so as as I was reading this morning, I got to Psalm 105, and uh, it's a little bit longer psalm. And it kind of outlines um, a lot of the the Old Testament, you know, from Abraham, I think, and then it lists Moses, and it really walks through the the plagues. And I, I had never really known that, so it kind of jumped out to me as a as a unique thing. I didn't I didn't know that they were discussed more in detail. I don't think it lists all ten of them, but I think around seven or eight. It kind of lists those plagues. You're really kind of giving praise to God for for how He delivered them so psalm 105 gang if you want to go take a look verses 26 through 38
5: all right was was that a psalm of moses
0: um that's a good question i i don't i don't know i don't believe so i think that i think it might have been david but um you have to go take a look if someone's looking it up ethan did you find anything in hebrews are you gonna are you gonna put a challenge Uh, flag out there
4: No, there's, there are, I was just refreshing my memory. There are a bunch of references to um, Egypt and uh, kind of Moses leading the people out, but it doesn't specifically spell out the plagues. I was thinking that it spelled out a couple of them, but it doesn't.
0: Yeah, no, there's some great, that's what, probably in the hall of faith, right? You're thinking Hebrews 11. Mostly, yeah. Yeah,
4: Yeah. there's, there's a couple others in Hebrews three and Hebrews eight, where it also references God leading the people out of Israel through Moses. Or out of Egypt.
0: Okay. All right. The trivia maker gets ten points. Right. If I stump the, the group, I get ten points. So I'm now in the lead. <laughs> Ryan
1: says no. <laughs> I don't think Ryan likes that. <laughs> All right. You guys
0: ready for? You guys ready for our music trivia? This is, this is a good tune I heard today uh, during watching watching some some online worship. So, uh, in three, two,
2: one. I come
5: Ryan I come, Ryan Matt Maher Lord I Need You here, I find my
0: right. That is a point for Ryan That's correct You guys familiar with
1: this tune? Oh yeah, <sighs> yeah
2: My, da- good my one.
1: daughter and I sang this in church About two years ago It's one of our favorites Man we love this song yeah. Just crank it
0: Yeah yeah, really, really good. So, yeah, if you if you've not heard this, if anybody's not heard this one, "Lord, I Need You" by Matt Marr, really some fantastic lyrics, and uh, you'd, uh, it will do your soul well during during this time. Uh, is encouraging you to or encouraging you to continue to trust in God uh, through all things. So, all right, that's a wrap for six in the mix trivia. Uh, And we'll move on to uh, the next topic. Turn it over to Don.
2: Can you guys believe that as of today, November 15th, we are still not even two full weeks removed from election night? Now, the media has already called the election, but there's still a process that thankfully needs to be followed through before the highest office of the U.S. can be declared. Now, with each week, the tension seems to be ratcheting it up, I feel. Will Trump concede? Will he leave office peacefully or by force? Will there be a court ruling favoring the Trump administration that will turn our streets and cities into mayhem? Will Republicans maintain control of the Senate or will it be split 50-50, which in that case will put the deciding vote in the hands of the vice president? So, my question to you guys is, uh, what is your best case political scenario come January 21st, 2021? Now, as I mentioned, uh, before I let you guys answer i answers, I declare my my uh, view here. Just because uh, since I get to introduce the topic, I get to go first. So,
3: how about that? <laughs> so, um, I mean, Jeremy lets everybody else go first when he introduces well, yeah. the topic. Well, that's, you know, that's... <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's that's
1: that's Jeremy. That's the difference between the captain and me, apparently.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So so I think uh, probably a good Christmas gift for the captain would be a book
2: on servant leadership. (laughs) Matt, I'm not coming over and washing your feet. I guarantee you that. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch.
0: Oh, man, that's painful. I'm telling you, there's there's blessings untold in that act, brother. Don't Uh, shortchange yourself in this short life (laughs) could change your life
1: (laughs) all
2: right so i'm back on topic here all right so as the legal proceedings are going to continue and as evidence of ballot tampering and election fraud are brought to the courts by the trump administration i can't help but think that over the next couple of weeks This is just going to all be a legal formality. Uh, The courts deciding who will be the next president seems to be (laughs) an appropriate finish to this horrific year. No matter how much overwhelming evidence the Trump legal team inundates the courts with voter fraud, the Senate could be still says that there's no way they're going to be able to prove the Democrats stole the election. It's the whole reason, though, why mail-in ballots was never substantiated in years past because of the numerous and invariable ways voter fraud could be so easily applied. I mean, how do you prove that a mail-in ballot is not filled out by the signature of that at the bottom of that page? In a court of law, it just seems highly unlikely. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are on. It's too tempting. It's too easy to not attempt to try it uh, and gain garner votes. And that... Add that to a Democratic Party that has sold itself to the devil, which is, in my mind, is big tech, and also is using COVID-19 to their political advantage. Well, welcome, welcome to the November, November 2020 election. The idea that voter fraud is not possible a possibility in the way that the media has pushed this narrative makes me believe even more that there was fraud happening. And the fact that the media and left have sold themselves out to that narrative makes me believe more and more every day that our election is trying to be stolen. When censorship from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is as blatant and obvious as it is, there seems to be something that they're trying to hide from the public. And if you're honest with yourself, how could you deny that? I mean, regardless of who we call our president at the end of the year, the very idea that another four years, another election will come and go. And again, the results will be questioned and doubted due to cheating. Now, I get it. It happens every every election. The ripples of cheating are floating out there and then subside because ultimately what real evidence is there? The last substantial evidence was Watergate. Since then, we have seen accusation after accusation be tossed and lobbed at each other. Uh, Most recently, and I'll argue this is where things drastically changed It occurred in our previous election. Over the last four years, the Democrats have dragged us through hearings and committee meetings on Russian collusion allegations. A dossier was created and paid for by the Obama and Biden administration that was used to justify court-approved FBI surveillance to spy on then-president-elect Trump and his closest personnel. And when that didn't work to bring Trump down, the deep state, or whatever you want to call them now, then began to take out one by one those who could bring their network down starting with former national security advisor, Mike Clinton. Now, just like Nixon, the left weaponized the political branches like the FBI, the Department of Justice and Homeland Security, and put in motion the plans to never let an outsider like Donald Trump be given to us any semblance of power again. Now, all we ask is that people be held accountable for their lies and crimes. But for that to happen, we would have to ask our own government take a look inside their own house and expose what lies beneath. Now, I would consider it a big win in the best case scenario if the election was not just legitimized by the courts, but also those who are on the losing end, they'd be prosecuted for obstruction of justice and abuse of power. I don't care, again, who is the president at this point. I just want to go to bed at night knowing that I'm going to wake up in the next morning and not discover that my vote never, was never counted. That ballot harvesting is not just a viral video we're seeing on YouTube, but that they're catching those people and being held, holding those people accountable. I just want a fair election process. I want it to supersede the importance of any man or woman being elected. So that is my best case political scenario come January 21st. How about you guys, Matt? We'll go ahead with you. All righty. Well, that was uh, that was
0: uh, a lot said there. Hmm. Uh, January twenty first, best case scenario. Though I did pick Trump, um, I I grant that it seems unlikely. Even if there was, I mean, it, there definitely was voter fraud. To the extent that it would change that many number of votes in that many states, uh, to me, seems unlikely. Um, I think the runoffs in Georgia are pretty significant. Obviously, I think we need to win those. Uh, It cannot be an even split in the Senate or else uh, the vice president has the uh, deciding vote there. So uh, it was great to see some gains in the House. Um, We need to hold the Senate. But I do think this speaks well. And I've mentioned this before, but uh, best political scenario, I think, uh, if Biden and Harris do take over, um, is for the country to see what this actually looks like. And I think 2022 and 2024 uh, will be significant for conservatives because it'll be a strong, strong comeback if uh, if Biden and Harris are elected. So I think it'll be a short, short-lived uh, term for the uh, the left wingers, and I believe conservatism and perhaps Trump or perhaps somebody else, uh, will, will take it then. So, um, I don't think Trump will hold the presidency. I'm praying we hope hold the Senate and uh, we did gain in the house. And I think there's some momentum for years to come.
2: Yeah. I like that. All right. Ethan.
4: Yeah, that's thanks, Matt. I think, I'm I'm probably in a similar place to you. When I look at the grand scheme of our political spectrum, I guess my, my theology informs my politics in that I just – I think the reality is I'm surprised – I would be surprised if there's not some kind of corruption, vote stealing, vote tampering in every election known to mankind uh, because power is a subtle mistress and, and it causes all of us. It woos all of us in ways that are destructive and so does, that doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm kind of like, Matt, I don't know. I'd like to see – I'd like to think that we um, as a country could aspire to and maybe have at times. But I kind of doubt it ever had elections that were fully – that we could be fully confident of um, perhaps. But um, I I think from a humanity standpoint, I think that's unlikely because – um, if you read history, you you, read, you can read lots of history of lots of different cities around the U.S. that politics has led in that direction, um, and, and that's not surprising. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm excusing it by no means, but I also know that it's just going to be really hard. I told Michelle, in terms of my ultimate perspective on what I think the, the win would be in Jan- come January, I told her this before the election, in my opinion, the best-case scenario – is a long-term view. Uh, and the short-term view, I think, right now for a lot of people is reluctance to lose power. Um, and I think unfortunately, in in some cases, as people, as someone who almost usually votes more on a Republican View I think the Republican Party sometimes I think can be criticized over the last four years of holding really tightly to power in places and ways that can be criticized uh, in in some ways not in all but in some and some we have been criticized and not fairly. Um, however, I think in a long term view for me I felt like it would be better for us to lose for Republicans to lose the presidency but to have a a majority in the Senate to be able to balance and kind of cause some slowdowns in legal and uh, normal ways that the Constitution gives to the different houses of of the Congress um, and to provide some checks and balances there, primarily with the view of being able to kind of regroup and in in a remarkable way, maybe perhaps actually be able to come up with a candidate in 2024. Who can represent more um, conservative values, uh, conservative philosophy, and yet not be as polarizing and vitriolic and uh, and destructive uh, in some ways as I think Trump has been um, for the last four years? And and there's no question he's done some things that that. I appreciate, especially in some of the right-to-life areas and some of those kind of things. But I think if you take the long-term view um, to be able to come in and say, hey, let's strengthen Congress, strengthen the stance that we have in Congress, and then come back and regroup. Because if we if he does win in 2020 by some random chance, uh, the next four years are going to be horrendous in every way, shape, and form. And in 2024, the the tide will, if you look at history, the tide will change in significant ways. And we would probably stand on stand to lose the House, the Senate, the presidential, everything um, in just the natural course of American history and how the population votes. And I think that. Could and would likely cause much more damage uh, in different ways that we've talked about in the past. In some of the, the the slide, the cultural slide, or the cultural changes that we might see, and I think I would rather have a short term loss with some mitigation of the Congress, and then hopefully
2: be able to regroup. So that's just me. Thanks, Ethan. I love it. Power is a subtle mistress. Did you write that down, Ryan. We're going to put that on. Screen, right. screen saver. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my, my, my screen saver here at home. Oh, shoot, I'll put it on my, my my refrigerator. I'm sure my kids will appreciate that one. All right, Ryan, what are your thoughts?
5: Well, I I agree with a lot of what's been said already, but I think my ideal situation for January 20. First of 2021 is for this guy to rise from the dead and bring us back to American greatness. And for those of you listening, I'm holding up a bobblehead doll of Ronald Reagan. Now, you might say that's impossible, and you're right, that would be impossible. But I am looking for the next Ronald Reagan, and I, I, I keep hearing about this fraud, this uh, software called Dominion software that flipped millions of votes. I mean, as much as I would like to believe that, I I, I just have a lot of doubt that's going to happen. And I agree with Ethan. I just, I feel like we've got somebody who has many of our values that I didn't expect him to have as president. I I do feel like it's worth the loss of him not being reelected as long as the Republicans hold the Senate and we don't have a party remake the government, that's the key. And and Matt, you alluded to that. We we've got to have that balance. And as conservatives, we like what we like, limited government. And so if all three branches, well, I should say the Congress and the president, if they are controlled by the democratic party, uh, I'm not speaking negatively against them because I typically don't vote with them. I'm speaking because of the things they're saying they want to do, which are radical. And uh, that's a shock to systems of conservatives. So for me, assuming, uh, there is not, and I, I, I keep using this as a caveat because serious, some serious people are saying there has been an issue with the software. Assuming that is not proven, I would want to see the Republicans hold the Senate 52 to 48, Joe, <laughs> Joe Biden uh, become the president. I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, Kamala Harris as vice president and uh, House gains... As, as it looks like the Republicans who are supposed to lose some more seats are actually going to gain maybe upwards of eight to 10 seats in the House, which gets them very close to taking the majority. And e- Ethan talked about historical precedent, and that is true. What happens when you have one party as, as president, typically the next midterm election goes to the other party for House pickup seats. And so, hopefully, in 2022, if we take the short-term loss, we will see Republicans pick up seats in the House. And to be honest, I'm not sure what what Senate races are going on in 2022. But I, I just I get concerned when I see a radical party talk about redoing our government, and I think that's what has a lot of us on edge at this point, especially Don. Uh, and so I I, I understand that and uh, appreciating the country that God has given to us uh, with great freedoms that we've enjoyed. Um, we're not quick to make changes. But I will also say I'm very grateful uh, for the Supreme Court we have in place right now, who should be somewhat of a check and balance, assuming that the Democrats don't take the Senate and pack the Supreme Court, even though one of their Democratic Senators, Joe Manchin, said he's not he's not down with any of that crazy stuff. So uh, may, maybe even if somehow the Republicans lose both Senate seats, maybe there will be a couple of moderate Democrats who say, Hey, you know, it's really not worth blowing up the system just for us to have total power. So that's, that's my,
2: my outlook. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. I heard that uh, man, can say that, but I don't know, for some reason, I don't trust that guy as far as I can, I can throw him. So just another politician talking about what he's going to do, telling us more lies. I have a feeling, uh, Ben, what's up?
3: I like a lot of what I've heard so far for me. I think um, several, Podcast episodes ago, I, I my personal vote would be that the runner up in the presidential election should be the new vice president. I mean, I, we need to go back to that system. But kind of feeding off of that, I I'm good with it being a mixture of uh, who controls each of the bodies. I'm I'm hopeful that the runoffs in Georgia will go uh, the Republican way, then that will create that mix between the executive and legislative branches, and I I think. I'm hopeful that that means that they may put some effort into trying to find common ground and, and work on some things and, and move some things forward for the common good instead of, you know, just constantly fighting and, and back and forth. I know that may be pie in the sky to hope for that, but that that's my hope and my prayer is that we'll have um, – mixed parties in those in those different bodies in the in the legislature and and executive branch and that will will hopefully find some common ground that we can try to move forward and not have quite the division that has been rampant the last several years all right thanks bud jeremy
1: i just want to comment As far as Georgia, I agree, let's get, let's get, you know, those, those seats. But I cannot tell you how amazed I am at the cash that is flowing into that race. And nobody is even ashamed of it anymore. I mean, hundreds of Of millions of dollars, we're gonna we're gonna net close to a billion dollars spent between the two candidates there, uh, between the candidates there to get uh, one party or the other elected. If people can't wake up and see how this is coming down and what this means as far as the level and who's going to have the power and be able to steer the ship for the next four years, uh, you've got to just be ignorant. Here's the deal: if you know, the way i see it i agree with most of you i want biden the best case scenario is that biden stays in his presidency for full, all four years regardless of what regardless of what health issues or mental issues or you know the things that have been spouted out about if he stays in that seat for four years and we're able to keep the house all the all the progressives and everybody else in the democratic party are fighting over Joe's ear. They want him to lean one way or the other. And you talk about a bobblehead. Joe's gonna have a bobblehead by the end of this thing. And he's just gonna be rattled around because they're gonna use him as a rag doll to pull him one way or the other. And what's gonna happen, I think, is they're gonna be so, so much fighting over him. And, and how they want him to push their agendas within the Democratic Party, that they're, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot many times. And I'm hoping that that happens. So I want them to – I want the Dems to have enough rope, enough chain to literally tangle themselves out of 2024. I want them to completely be such a mess because Joe has – Done his job as president, not stood up for anything, allowed himself to be abused in all kinds of ways and all kinds of directions. And really, as Don says, does nothing for the next four years to pad onto his resume. Best case scenario is all that plays out so that it is clear to everybody who who watched this election go down uh, in 2020 to be able to see it from from happening. So give him chain. That's what I'm saying. Give him enough chain to let it happen. Joe, stay in all four. All right. Well,
2: boy, guys, I appreciate you guys' thoughts. And uh, you know what? I think you guys, after listening to you guys, I think you guys have scared me straight because I was saying that uh, the best case scenario for me was, of course, having a legitimate election, not caring who was president. But now I've changed that since since I've heard you guys talk, I'm changing my mind. I want Trump in the office as president. I don't want to be wishy-washy about this and allow Biden in the presidency. Yes, that's what happened. Yep, I just did that. Yes, yes. I have lived, we all have Love lived, it. we all have lived through eight years of the Obama-Biden administration. Mind you, probably the most corrupt presidential administration ever ever in the United States. The idea that we have 4 years of even more corruption and more censorship that's going to be laid down, uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm out. I'm going down to the bunker if this happens. Yeah, that's why I built the bunker and having a Biden administration is is to me giving up way more than it's worth. 4 years down the road when we have to go through another election, I think that if Biden is in office and <laughs> it's over guys. I mean, they if they were able to get away with stealing one election, what makes you think they're not going to be able to steal another? I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm 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 scared straight. I appreciate you guys. I think thank you guys for, <laughs> for, for Hey Don. Yeah.
5: Don. Hey <clears throat> I, I, of course, I haven't minded Trump as much as I thought I would mind him back in 2016. But you you say you want Trump president for another four years. Here, here are my main concerns with that. Number one, one of one of these guys alluded to this, but I, I think it was Ethan. I I fear if somehow this re, the results we've seen so far get overturned in favor of Trump, it is just going to explode. Uh, all across this country uh, and oh, I, I, I agree completely agree. I, I don't want to see that i don't want to see it I, either but but my other th- my other issue with trump is he is such a he is such a controlling figure and he is so loyal to his family my fear is if he lives on it's just going to be okay after me you all my followers you need to vote for my son or Ivanka and i i don't really want to see a trump dynasty uh, I just don't um, and so to me, I, I want to see I want to see true conservatives get into office. And I think Trump has been pretty conservative and I'm thankful for that. But I I have concerns about some of his children who he's going to encourage as a legacy uh, dynasty
2: uh, into the future. All well, right. I'll respond by saying we need if you know, when you were talking about how the chaos and the mayhem is going to erupt if uh, if Trump does stay in office, I promise you. I promise you this, there are 60 to 70 million voters of Trump that will not let that happen. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's, it's not going to happen at all. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that there are going to be clashes, but I'm saying you, you are going to see a conservative movement rise up when they see that. The streets are burning and cities are are falling and being looted. I think you are going to see a, a patriotism arise amongst the conservative party that you've never seen before. And it, they're going to rally around Trump. Look at they just packed out Washington, D.C. this past weekend and not one mention of it on the media. Not one mention of it. There were Thousands, if not I dare say, billions of people down in Washington D.C. rallying for Trump. I promise you that if he is is in office uh, come January twenty first, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be scary. I yeah, I don't doubt that, and and I just think it's it's uh it's going to be a chance for patriotism to um be. To rise up, um, I'm not worried about a dynasty being formed by Trump. I don't think his son uh, has the charisma uh, or anything like that to be taken seriously as a as a presidential candidate. Um, I think maybe more his daughter uh, does uh, than than anybody else. But I don't know. I just I'm just not worried about. About a dynasty, a Trump, a Trump dynasty.
1: Well, when we talk about best case scenario, I mean, are do we really believe and think that the the maybe more liberal leaning judges or the things that are happening within the states and their legislatures that that's actually going to play out to our advantage? I mean, will will truth actually come out? I think I think the bottom line is, most conservatives, most people who voted for Trump want to vote for truth. They want to vote truth. They want to see all this accountability and all these things exposed. But are we able to get that? And I think the answer in our country is no, because there are ways to manipulate things. And it's far beyond what I have access to or even know about, or even have these things. They're floating all over the place. However, I just think it's going to be too difficult to get that. And if we don't get that line, How are we going to steer back uh, from the course? So, you know, to to that, I mean, is there a best case scenario if if the concession of the election goes this way and Biden does get it? Okay, considering that, is there a better case scenario and Trump wins and goes off? I think there that would be uh, what many would want. And as you mentioned, the 70 million that voted for him. I just don't think we're going to get there as a country with the truth coming out of this stuff or the flipping of votes. If that were to happen in Arizona, Georgia, other places where there are lawsuits, Wisconsin. I mean, there's stuff right here that they're that they're going after. And there's people going that didn't happen. There wasn't anything. And these are people of repute or reputation that have the ability to, to, you know, give some some at least clout to the answers. I just don't think we're going to get to that truth. The bottom line is I don't think humanity is going to get there any longer. And with that said, it is kind of doom and gloom, but I think we're going to have to fight our battles to other places. And man, I – I agree, Don. I wish I wish they would they would see this as as true. I wish it would be a a vote for vote, person to person thing, and it was all accountable and all above board. I just don't think we do that in, in, in America anymore. Not going to yeah.
2: happen. I challenge you guys also to uh, look into what they call the Great Reset. Take a look. Uh, I don't. I don't have time to get into it now. But take a look at the Great Reset and um, and how it is uh, been connected with the Biden administration and what their plans are for our future. The Great Reset. All right. We'll close with that. We, we could spend on more more and more time on that, but uh, let's uh, let's move on.
5: All right. Going to move on to calling your shot now. I'm hoping Matt, maybe you could find me a nice uh, segue into this uh, segment. You know, the the famous Babe Ruth calling your shot. Maybe you get some audio of that. We can line up every time we enter this segment. That'd be kind of fun. Um, I like it. it. I'll, I'll work on that. Ask and you shall receive. Uh good good lad. Good lad. Hey, this uh, this go around we're going to uh, share with everyone our favorite Bible character not named Jesus, and uh, I, I thought this would be kind of a fun a fun way to uh, share a little bit more about our faith and some of our biblical heroes we look up to and why why we look up to these uh, biblical heroes who were roaming this earth from, what, 6,000 to 4,000 to 2,000 years ago. Uh, quite, a, quite a span of time covering the Old and New Testament. Yeah, I just uh, thought it'd be kind of fun. I, and I've, I've said this before, and I, I'm guessing maybe we'll have a couple of matches for our answers tonight. We, we haven't been on the same page for some of these previous favorites, but maybe tonight we'll, 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 be, we'll be there. So I'll go ahead and get, uh, get it started with uh, – where's my list? I was all prepared with a nice orderly list. Ethan, I've got you up first tonight. Can you share your favorite non-Jesus Bible character with us?
4: (laughs) In my mind, I was sitting here thinking, is he going to go on? Is he going to find himself on Don's Island or Jeremy's Island? Uh, (laughs) In terms of you going first, at first I thought you started off there. It sounded like you were going to share your own thing, and I thought, oh, he's gone with Don's Island. (laughs) But no, not yet. We'll set up with the wait and see if you're going last. Yeah. So for me, I think as I've been kind of Thinking about this the last couple of days as we've been preparing, um, I think for me I probably would say the Apostle Peter for a couple different reasons. One, I think the way the way that God inspired Scripture to be written, first of all, is is such an encouragement to me because of the ways that it is self evident. Uh, in terms of God's inspiration as opposed to man's creating it uh, or imagining it. Um, and one of the ways that that is evident is just in the very real, honest way that it describes the people inherent in the passages and their life story and their failings and their falls and, um, and everything in between. Uh, and it doesn't just gloss over them as often history books do. Um, It presents warts and all. And so I think the apostle Peter is one of those guys because you just see, I mean, he just lives everything on his heart, on his shirt sleeve. Uh, He's real honest about what he thinks. He's real honest about the doubts and fears that he has even though sometimes he is full of bravado and bluster and boasting and all those things. Um, and yet we see just this great picture of God's transforming work of grace in his life um, in, in even short time periods of moving from a place of, of self-reliance, of boastfulness and pride to a place of humility and boldness uh, because of God's work and his life being transformed. Um, and then we just see this progression over his lifetime. And I think that's encouraging for me because I, I so often see myself in him sticking my foot in my mouth or running away because of fear or, or something similar. Um, and it's just encouraging to me to look at his life and and be reminded that, that, yes, we can take God at his word, that we are his workmanship um, and that he will, that his plans will come to completion in our lives, even though sometimes in the short term, on the day to day, it seems as if our growth is so slow, uh, that God's transforming work in our life is sanctifying work in our life is so slow. Um, and yet, I think when we look at people like Peter, um, we see the, the cumulative effects of the Holy Spirit working in and through us and making us more like Jesus. And so I think that's, that's why I would pick Peter.
5: Yeah, he was a real, a real man dealing with issues we all deal with. That's that's a good
3: good pick. All right, Ben. I don't like that I have to go after Ethan because anything I say is not going to sound nearly as impressive as the way Ethan delivers his <laughs> message. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I picked someone that no one else would pick. So as a young person, especially, um, one of my favorite Bible characters was Ehud. You guys remember who Ehud was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and, the, and the reason, at least as a child, that I really found him to be a favorite of mine was that he was also, it was noted that he was left handed. And I happen to be a left handed person too. And, and his story is like an action movie. It's you know so as a kid it definitely impressed me that God used him to reclaim um, Israel during the time of the judges. Uh, he went in and assassinated the king that was oppressing Israel, and then um, rallied the Israelites and and brought them all together and kicked that um, oppressive country uh, Moab out of Israel and and then they had peace in the land for eighty years. Uh, so kind of the action movie and being left-handed made me a favorite, or Ehud, a favorite of mine. But I also, I think I've mentioned before, or maybe others have, how to me, the current time we're living in reminds me of the the judges, just where it repeatedly uses the phrase that people did what was right in their own eyes. And I just feel like that is all around us right now. Everything is relative. There isn't absolute truth anymore. And so for those of us who are willing to say we will we will plant our lives on the truth of the Bible and the absolute truth of of what God tells us you know that that we, we need it now more than ever and it just you know it, it, the saying goes that history is oft you know often doomed to repeat itself and it feels like that's what's happening now when we see what's going on in our country and around the world uh, compared to judges but no matter how many times through the book of judges where the israelites strayed When they cried out, God heard them, and they were his chosen people, and he delivered them. So a lot of good themes through the book of Judges, and and Ehud's going to be my favorite for you, Ryan.
5: Definitely a curveball, but I have to ask, would he still be your favorite if he were right-handed?
3: No. Nope, it was all (laughs) left-handed. The southpaw. Yes. Fair enough.
4: Well, Fair enough. it's also if you go back and look, he also has one of the cla- most uh, classic responses. After he stabs the king, he leaves the king's quarters and he tells the king's servants he's going the way of men, like yeah. talking about like he's sitting on the, he's sitting on the pot, right? <laughs> so nobody it, checks on indisposed. him. He
1: indisposed.
4: He's indisposed.
5: It's <laughs> great. Classic. That's good. That's good. Good living.
1: All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Jeremy, what, who, who's yours? Oh, mine. Mine is Old Testament as well, and probably for the last oh, I'd say fifteen years, I've really just enjoyed th- this book. Probably written by Ezra, but Nehemiah is uh, is my fave, and uh, because he was a, a driven as a man, uh, he was willing. He listened. Uh, he had high character. And even though he was serving in the king's presence, um, that was not part of his uh, heritage. He still had this heart for his people. There was a determination. He was prayerful. The visionary leader that he was just really inspires me. And, and the thing I, I think I probably have learned recently is just the ability that that guy had to network I mean, he was in a position of of power with the king as a cupbearer, but then he was able to, you know, finagle all these relationships all the way around to not only build the wall, get through the land, but but to get labor and other things that would be a part of that as well. It's just it's just phenomenal, me. You talk about we need another Reagan, we need a Nehemiah to rebuild, you know, our America. We need we need somebody of that caliber, that class to be able to do it. And um, man, Don's got my vote right now. I'm, I'm Don, t- 2024. Let's do it.
5: Are you Are you saying Don should go down and finish the southern wall?
1: <laughs> hey, if that gets him on the ballot next year, let's or uh, 2024. Let's do it. Let's get him on. <laughs> let's get him serving in public office. <laughs> let's
5: get this ball rolling. Another another solid choice, but I got to tell you, boy, we are halfway through the group and we don't have any matches yet. I feel like the night we were watching the Trump election, the betting odds were high in his favor and they started just (laughs) dropping and dropping. I feel like the odds that we're going to have a match now are are sinking. So, all right, Matt.
0: Well, we have a pair. We have a pair. Yes, we do. And this is actually surprising. So, (laughs) Ethan also known as Dr. Dobson, um, yeah, he and I, Ethan and I's pick is the same. It is Peter. But I'm I'm going through and I'm um, walking through the memories of my Minnesota mind. It's been a long time. Um, I'm trying to remember one time, Ethan, you ever stuck your foot in your mouth. When you speak, it's typically eloquence. And so <laughs> when you say identify with Peter, I'm like, yeah, I don't ever remember him saying something he, that I regretted him saying, or he regretted him saying. So maybe that's just a testament to uh, to your integrity, Ethan. But um, uh, there have been plenty of times. That's uh, that's 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 cool. No, Peter's Peter's my mine as well. Um, I think you know a guy who is very kind of impulsive jumps to one side or the other. I think that one uh, example where. Uh, Jesus says, you know, is going around and going to wash wash the disciples' feet. And he says, "No, you're not going to wash my feet." And Jesus says, "If I don't wash your feet, you can't you know, you're not worthy of me." And then and then basically Peter says, "Well, you better bathe me then." <laughs> you know, so he flips from one side to the other so fast. Um you know, and, and I think I think the thing, a couple of things that re- else resonated with me with Peter is he failed big, but then he recognized that, and that fueled his dependence on Christ, and then God used him in a mighty way. And so, and I think Ethan, you touched on it, right? You know, like that just gives credence to the scripture. Like these guys are not painted as as uh, as the popes, uh, you know, without error. Um, they, they were. They were, sh- they were shown a- a vividly describing their worst moments, um, and God was still able to use them. Obviously, it gives glory to God to be able to use such unworthy men and women. But Peter, also, the scriptures that he wrote were really incredible, too. So I think I love Paul, and I think Paul is, is the greatest writer overall. But when Casey and I were dating, uh, there was a passage that we memorized together, Second Peter 1. Uh, it's the passage where it says, His divine power is given uh, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness uh, through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue, by which we were given these exceedingly great and precious promises, uh, that by these you... Maybe made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then it goes on, add, add your faith virtue. And that passage has probably been most precious to us. And, uh, and it gets linking back to a guy that I can really identify with uh, as well. So, uh, probably one of my most favorite passages in scripture was written by uh, a guy I identify uh, with the most.
5: Excellent. All right. Good. Good. We have a match. Okay, let's see if we uh, can get any more here with uh, Don and and myself remaining. Go ahead, Don.
2: All right, so I'm going to – yeah, I knew I would have a match with this one because I just learned about this guy a couple of weeks ago. His name's Toolbar. Toolbar. Uh, he is amazing at using tools. He just... No, you did not. You did not. <laughs> You did not pick Tubalcane. Tublicane.
0: <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, that dude. Robert toolbar. Yeah, whatever. Not the tool not, not the toolbar at the Close. bottom of your, right. uh, your your screen there, Don. <laughs> Tubalcane, I believe, is the name you're your, the guy that you're really impressed with, who's your favorite. Yeah, let me help you with his
5: name.
2: I don't know. I just I just had to say I had I had to give up. I just, <laughs> sorry. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. All right, no, my uh all seriousness. Here we go. Uh, my guy is uh, my guy's King David. Can't believe you guys haven't said up this guy yet yet, but I was ho- holding out hope, and sure enough, no one said it. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with David. He that guy to me. Whenever I think of uh, a Christian, and I think of somebody who had way more faults than he probably did good, but still God was able to use him. And, you know, I mean, David man alive, how did that guy? How did that guy put things together the way he did? Um, one of my favorite my favorite pictures of him is when the Bible when when David brought the ark to Jerusalem. One of the, the Bible says that he danced with all his might before the Lord. Man, that that just cracks me up. I mean, this dude probably broke out the best garden tools we've ever seen right i mean that dude was probably going nuts i'd love it um he did did not care what other people thought he just i mean he said he danced with all his might, I love that. I love that picture. Um, also, and one of the things that I truly uh, find remarkable about him and truly um, hope to aspire to is the way he was his loyalty, uh, especially to, to Jonathan. You know, talk about a, a friendship that risked, you know, life and death for each other. And even after Jonathan died, David still with his son, uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan's son's Uh he was just supported him still. throughout Throughout everything, I mean, it it was David. To me, is just uh, one of those. One of the I can't is one of the guys. I just cannot wait to go and and have a sit down in heaven when we all get there. So
5: a man after God's own heart. And uh, so, Don, you're you're going to go say hi to David before you go say hi to Toolbar.
2: I'll bring toolbar with me, but uh, <laughs> that's good.
5: All right. Well, that's uh, it's it's good to hear um, some biblical heroes that you guys you guys look up to. For me, I'm going to go with uh, a guy I thought for sure somebody else would pick, but it's uh, Joseph. When you look at the life of Joseph, you, you see a man who whose character, at least from what I can see in the Old Testament, I, I don't see many flaws in this guy. I, obviously, he he wasn't Christ; he was a sinner, uh, but this guy was put into some situations that none of us will hopefully ever have to go through being betrayed by his own brothers, um, being uh, certainly besmirched by Potiphar's wife, uh, falsely accused, uh, which could have easily been the death penalty, keeping keeping uh, this different level perspective that I, I wish I could keep, whereas you're, you're seeing God using all these circumstances. Uh, no matter what they are, whether you're left in a pit, left in the jail, lied about, um, forgotten, abandoned. And he, he had, Genesis 50, 20 says, you meant this for evil, God meant it for good. Uh, but you see a man full of forgiveness, full of meekness, uh, a love for his family, uh, constantly showing concern about his long lost family, his, his father, his younger brother. Um, ultimately, he goes from a guy in the pits, in, in the jail, to one of the top positions in all the world. And so obviously he, he had great leadership capabilities. And I don't know about you guys, but it helps me sometimes to get a better picture of these characters through different mediums. So for, for Joseph, I got to see a, a very neat side of him, a very broad side of him when I was at Pensacola. And there was a, a series preached on by Pastor Jim Shetler on Joseph, and that really brought it to life for me. You know, I, I, I get I get great phrases that still come back to my mind like, Don't quit in the pit. You know, don't quit in the pit. And then I would have never known his Egyptian name that Pharaoh gave him, Zapnaphania. And so I, I can just vividly hear Pastor Shetler say, Zapnaphania, bow the knee. You know, he he would bring that out in his messages. So you're looking at a guy who is treated like a slave and now he's People are bowing to him, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the Joseph production at Sight and Sound, but that is that is a remarkable, remarkable show. If you if you get the chance to to go see it, and uh, just to see his life portrayed in that way. So for me, I'm gonna go with Joseph. All right, and with that, we'll uh, turn it over so to actually, yeah. Actually, there's one one
0: thing I, I need to bring up uh, both Ryan and and my backup favorite character of the Bible it kind of Don kind of prompted me on this. It's, it's gotta be King David, right? So here's, and here's the reason it's kind of linked back to the story that Don said. So back in the dorm, when we used to play ping pong late at night, we were playing with all our might, right? And you'd get warm and David got warm and he took some, you know, took some clothes off a little bit. And, and uh, we were just patterning our behavior after King David. So David is Ryan and I's backup Favorite as well, and we've lived out trying to be like him. Agreed or disagreed?
5: <laughs> yes, yes. I well. King David is definitely high up there on my uh, on my on my list as well. So thank you. I I appreciate you nominating
2: him for me.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised uh, Don, who's a little bit risky, didn't mention that part that uh, some clothes came off. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, David dancing.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that, but uh, I thought this was a PG show. so
5: <laughs> uh, yeah and, and in in all honesty matt and i we we kept it pg you yeah. know we weren't we weren't getting too crazy okay. with the removal of clothing so uh,
2: nothing, i don't think nothing i would say that was pg that had to be pushing pg 13 at the least
4: yeah
2: Back, yep.
4: <laughs> well,
1: so said the girls plastered to the dorm windows on the other side of the parking lot. I think that's well, our litmus test. Just, there's no, test.
5: there's no doubt. Matt had just multiple, multiple gals watching him every, <laughs> every, every step he took. I mean, he was he was certainly stalked by many at, at, at Pillsbury. Uh, there were some admirers. Uh,
0: all right, moving right along to bed. Okay. All right, here we go. Feel good story of the week. <laughs> that,
2: here we yeah, go. That, three, two.
3: <laughs> Well, that digressed rather quickly, so we'll uh, try to try to lift us back up here after after that. So you may have seen this one this week in the news; it's gotten a lot of, uh, or at least I think, a lot of press. But uh, my feel-good story this week is about a guy named Chris uh, Nickich, and have, have you guys heard about him this week? So he is a 21-year-old individual who finished an Ironman race and. Ironman Florida in Panama City Beach, he, he raced. Uh, but the a unique thing about Chris is that he has Down syndrome. And so he swam his 2.4 miles, biked 112 miles, and ran 26.2 miles. He did all of that in a little over 16 hours. And he is the first individual with Down syndrome to finish um, an Ironman race. And he did it. I was very open about it up front that he was doing it to really bring awareness it and more attention to Down syndrome and Special Olympics and, and donated a lot of uh, money through it all too, as well to those charities uh, with Special Olympics and some of the other charities that he represents. But just, you know, it's for me to go out and at this point, jog a few blocks is challenging enough. But for, you know, a guy to go out and and put on that sort of physical display um, with, you know, with some other challenges in his life, that is was pretty awesome and uh, so I, to me that was a very uplifting thing I saw this week and I made, and, and I think it's a pretty good feel good story for this week. Alright, so now following up on that feel good story of the week, um, it comes my turn this week to share uh, my testimony with you guys and I've really enjoyed listening to everybody else so far. It's, it's a pretty cool thing, you know, we all have our unique stories but to be able to share that time and those uh, things that led us to Christ Um, when Christ got a hold of us is a pretty cool thing. So um, for me, it started at an early age. I was fortunate to be raised in a Christian home. And so my testimony starts when I was four years old. Um, As my mom would tell it, uh, she delivered a vacation Bible school lesson to me uh, at home to practice and prepare for VBS at church uh, the following day. After the lesson, I started asking questions. We had a conversation. She verbally walked me through the steps to um, explain salvation and how Jesus paid the price for us. And all we needed to do was accept that gift. Uh, so I, I wish I could say that I remember that vividly. You know, I think Matt maybe touched on this a little bit too. So at an early age, sometimes the the memory fades a bit. So in, in all honesty, I, I really don't remember that happening. So as I grew older, that uh, led to doubts in my life and I, and I remember a few years later again still fairly young but a few years later during the summer when I was 8 uh, my brother and I were playing uh, ghost in the graveyard with our neighborhood friends and if anybody's played that or maybe you haven't it's basically a version of hide and seek that you would play in the dark at night and I remember hiding in the dark and uh, I usually had a pretty active imagination as a kid, but anyway, my mind wandered to thoughts of eternal things, of all things. And so we kind of wrapped up the game and it had brought some of those doubts and some of those fears to my mind. So I went home, I had another conversation with my mom. She kind of talked through the scenario when I was four that, again, I didn't really remember that well, but I also remember her saying that if those doubts persisted, that uh, there was nothing wrong with me praying again, you know, asking God to, to come into my life and just take those doubts away from me. So I, I do remember that occurrence and that happened when I uh, was eight years old. And I'm, I'm thankful for uh, the promises that we can read in the Bible. And, and one such promise that I hold on to when I maybe look at some of those doubts and fears is uh, in Jesus says in John 10, 29, that my father, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So, no matter, even myself with my own doubts, I I can't snatch myself out of God's hand at this point. When when He comes into a person's life and saves them, that's that's uh, that's all it takes. So, um, you know, that's that's my testimony. Um, and you know, the other thing I would add, I, I think Matt had mentioned, kind of talking about how. You know, what are we doing in our lives currently to show that fruit or show that evidence of God in our life? And one thing that immediately came to mind when, when he was sharing that a few weeks ago uh, was not in, in 2015 and 2016 when we, my, we had some uh, health concerns in our family. And then in early 2016, my, my brother passed away. And I, um, you know, that, that was obviously a very challenging time. But I just remember through all of that time, as the Bible verse says, the peace that passes all understanding, you know, there, there really wasn't a lot of understanding or reason why I should feel peaceful about the things that were happening. But I can say with certainty that it was because God was in my life. I, I remember telling a few people that I don't know how a person could get through all of this if they didn't have God in their life. Right, so I see those evidences now as an adult, and um, just the way that God has directed me, and that I've, you know, tried to do my best to follow His leading, and and see those evidences and handprints on my life as I've gone through and started and continued with adulthood. So, yeah, it's 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 an awesome story. And again, I, I thank you guys for those who have shared, and I and I'm. Glad we've all gotten the opportunity to share a little bit about what God has done in our lives.
0: Yeah, that's great, Ben. Uh, certainly great to hear uh, your faith uh, journey, and um, yeah, excited to excited to be part of it as well. So that is a wrap on episode sixteen. On this, the fifteenth day of November, year of our Lord, twenty twenty. This was six in the mix talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at
5: Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.